Hello, and welcome to the Govern This podcast. This is a political podcast for non-political people, where we ask the simple and ignorant questions about our country and government and get them answered. This is a follow-up episode with Professor Daniel Westlake from the University of Victoria's Political Science Department, and we dig into what's going on here in British Columbia and our own electoral reform. I mean, they're not dumb questions. They're just, I'm just ignorant about it. I haven't learned anything yet. So here it is, the follow-up episode, the second chat with Daniel Westlake, a political science professor at the University of Victoria, who teaches the topic of electoral reform. In the first chat, uh, Daniel and I covered mostly what electoral reform is and the different types of systems that, that you're able to choose from and how they work. In this follow-up episode, we dig more into what's going on here in BC with our own electoral reform, uh, how the government is approaching the issue, and the referendum that will be coming up in the fall, and all the struggles that go along with the whole process. Since we've had this chat, there's been some progress on the topic uh, in BC here, but it's progress that only brings up more questions for me. And I'm sure from the time I record this intro and get the episode out, there will be more changes as well. So I'm not going to give any updates here of what's happened since uh, Daniel and I talked. Rather, I just encourage you all to listen to the podcast and take the information uh, that, that he shares with us and merge it into your own thoughts as you see uh, the developments happening in the province here. So, uh, oh, I'd also like to mention the website that the government has set up that gives more information on the topic and what they're doing. It's, uh, it's the site that they did the questionnaire of prior, a few months ago, actually. Um, the, the website is www.engage.gov.bc.ca forward slash how we vote. That's with two W's. H-O-W-W-E-V-O-T-E. So check that out and get a little more information from their end. So without any further ado, here's the second chat with Daniel Westlake on electoral reform and what's going on here in BC. Okay, welcome back, Daniel Westlake. Should, is this supposed to be Dr. Dan or Professor Daniel Professor Dan? Like, 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 <laughs> what are your the students do, the call doctor you? So I haven't... Students call me all kinds of things. Like, like they call me, <laughs> I, I let them call me by my first name. Um, Professor Westlake is probably the one that, like, like I'm quite happy with Daniel for my, yeah. my, my student. Not all professors are, but yeah. um, Professor Westlake is, I think, the one that I'd prefer that students use if they're not comfortable with my first name. Oh, okay. But inevitably, you get the Dr. Westlake, which just sounds really pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, Professor Westlake. There we go. Um, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, last time we chatted about a whole bunch of different types of voting systems. Well, not, not I guess a whole bunch, a few. Today, though, we're just going to kind of talk about what's going on in BC currently, so current events type of thing. Um, so let's start with uh, when is the referendum? 
When are we having it? So it's going to be a mail-in referendum this far. I think, I think November is when they want to have that. So how does um, mail-in work? So they're going to mail out um, ballots to individuals across the province, and you mail it back to them. Um, we, we did this um, recently in Vancouver um, around uh, transit. Um, they, they wanted to expand the public transit as well as some of the infrastructure. And BC and this was under a different government, under the Clark government, but they essentially sent... Um, on, they mailed out ballots to everybody in British Columbia to register, and, and they sent the when you registered and gave them the address, they sent you a ballot. Um, you filled the ballot out and mailed it back into um, into Elections BC, and then they count them up and when was that? Announce the result. It was um, what a year or two ago, and it was I'm about drawing a blank. BC it was Transit. Tra- BC Transit. They wanted they, they just wanted to do this um, in the kind of lower mainland where they wanted to. Um, they wanted to spend some. They wanted more money to be spent on public transit, and they wanted um, to do some infrastructure projects. And there's a bridge they wanted to retrofit or build, or I forget the exact details. Um, and to do that, they wanted to have a increase in sales tax in the Lower Mainland area hmm. because it was only the Lower Mainland being affected. It was only people in the Lower Mainland that voted. So if you're in Victoria, you wouldn't have. Oh, okay. So you said that they that. had they had to register to vote. Yeah. So if you're living in Vancouver, you would go online, say, I live in Vancouver, and then you'd get your ballot. So anyone who didn't care about the transit, they just didn't bother. Yeah. So mail, this is going to be one of the problems that um, the BC government faces. Mm-hmm. Um, people who aren't plugged in, I mean, the, the mail-in, refer- mail-in votes tend to have terrible turnout. And well, so so, what, so so it's it's not just going to go to everyone who's voted in the provincial election. I I, su- I suspect they'll they'll automatically register everybody they have. That seems like a no brainer. Yeah, but people move right, and people moved like people will move places, and your address has changed since the provincial election. Hmm. You're not going to get your ballot. Um, so there's usually like a way to re-register and adjust. I assume it, I assume if you've registered with with elections, or if you're registered already with elections, British Columbia, you'll get a ballot sent to you. Hopefully, um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, like like lots of people like this happens every election, right? People have moved, people have moved in and out of the province, people's addresses have changed, they moved within the province, and so you do need to adjust. I find that a little strange to me having having a mail-in ballot when. If this is something as important as voting, then why don't we just, when we vote for elections, why don't we just do that for mail-in ballots? So like, <laughs> that's that's the ideal. Um, the The problem with this is usually an administrative problem. Um, so you need to have an election happening at the time. If you want to, I mean, the best way to do this in terms of getting your turnout is to just attach the question like have the question as the second ballot that you get when you vote in a provincial election right the problem is we have to wait for a while before that happens that's how we had it last time yes last and and most other provinces that have done this have done this the same way um but then you're not going to get a referendum really until 2021 because it won't be on it will change to wait for for a provincial election. election well no no you won't get a vote on changing the electoral system until 2021 right or or if you have a election before that right um but but you're kind of stuck in that sense. So and be, because this was a case where the government got in, so we want to do this really quickly. They can't wait for the next provincial election. There was some talk about, but, but they couldn't set it up like an election. And I guess just the I money mean, it's just is administratively difficult, right? Um, there was some talk about trying to match it to municipal elections, and I forget why they couldn't do this. But they again administratively, they didn't feel like they were able to to um, like, like set it up so that they could legally and administratively do. 
um, the the referendum along with the. Well, uh, they don't have municipal elections at the same times anyway, right? Um, they tend to. Do I they? think most municipalities vote at the same time because they're oh. they're. This goes back to what we we're saying earlier in the la- last conversation about um, how the province kind of controls the rules for per- for municipal elections. So oh, okay. they, they do have some ability to say all of you are having the election at this particular time. Okay, and I believe most municipalities do vote at the same time, at least within British Columbia. It'll be different in different provinces. Right. Okay. So it's going to be mail in. It's going to be in the fall. We don't know the date yet though. um it's, the date is probably released i the information is slipping my brain so this, this is me not knowing that that's, okay. that's I, okay i think i th- i want to say november but i i would check that okay so i was reading some article and there was a little it sounded like there was some some backlash from the liberals to the ndp and they're all getting like they're they're talking about what's the question what's the question why haven't you released the question and i was I didn't even think, I was like, why would they have to release it? Like, we'll to get it when we get it. So is this a common way to do? Like, so what's... <laughs> this is going to be a, an unfortunate <laughs> turn of language, but but the big question about the question <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, is what systems are going to be on the ballot. So remember okay. in, the la- in the last conversation we talked about four, there's probably one or two others that you could also talk about and put on. Okay. Um, and it becomes a question of, well, do you just put first past the post against, say, your favorite proportional system? So probably in British Columbia, mixed member proportional. Or do you throw first past the post, alternative vote, mixed member proportional, list proportional, single transferable vote? You can come up with a couple of others probably that you could throw on there. Are you going to put those on the, on the ballot as well? So they want to know the question because they'll be like, well, that's not the right question. They want to be able to yeah, attack the question. Or, and, or, and also say, like, like, why isn't this system on the, on the, on the ballot? Or, or why was this system on the ballot? And I guess um, it is good to know what the question is so that us voters can educate ourselves on the different things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the danger with this, you put too many systems on the ballot, people just get confused. Right. Um, and people, like, like, people who aren't doing, like, the... the couple of days kind of researching this is the difference between mixed member proportional and list pr and stv and then five different other proportional systems <laughs> um they're, they're, they're they kind of look at the look at a complicated ballot and they say well i want proportional representation but you didn't put pr on the ballot you put mixed member proportional and list pr and stv and what's the difference between these systems and which one am i supposed to be voting for and so there's a danger there that you make the ballot too complicated and people go i don't understand what i'm doing um, and either they just make an uninformed vote or they say, look, I know how first past the post works. I'm voting for that one because these other ones are just really confusing. Well, and I think that's that what probably happened with the last referendums because I don't – I would have had to vote on them, but I don't even remember them. And I was probably just like, I don't know what they're talking about, so just stick with what we got. So the last referendums, they actually only put one on the ballot. So in the last referendums, they just put single transferable vote. Um, the danger with that is people go – why isn't the electoral system I want on the ballot? Say if you're voting in the last BC referendum and you really like mixed member proportional, and you're like, well, I got STV and I got first past the post. Neither of these are systems that I want. Um, the last time what they did to determine what would be on the ballot is a citizen's assembly. So basically they picked a random, two random people, one male, one female from every ride-in and two ra- random indigenous people as well educated them about electoral systems, um, had them kind of spend pretty much a year 
learning from people, going out and talking to British Columbians, holding hearings, doing kind of a whole thing. And they put together a report and said, we recommend single transferable vote. And so because they recommended single transferable vote, that was what was on the ballot. If they had recommended mixed member proportional, that's what would have been on the ballot. Okay, so (laughs) this brings up some other things. That was the one type of votes voting system that we didn't cover. Yes. And you were talking about just before we started this one, um, that, that, that was the one that we used in the 50s or whatever. Well, no, we used right? alternative vote. In the oh, 50s. right, right, right. Never, yeah. But this was the one that you didn't figure probably wouldn't be good or people wouldn't want to go for it or something. So could you explain it <laughs> briefly? Is it possible? Okay, so <laughs> without just, getting into, to, to, into the weeds too badly yeah, I remember here, you said it was hard um, for audio, but... Essentially, you're going to have three to five to 12 um, MPs elected in every district. Parties are going to allowed to be allowed to run multiple candidates in every district. As and, a, and district, you mean riding? Every yeah, yeah riding. Okay. Sorry, yeah. yeah, no, it's fine. Um, so parties can run multiple candidates in every riding. As a voter, you rank order all of the candidates, or as many candidates as you want. Like of the six to eight. Uh, of of however, it's going to be more than six to eight. So the NDP might say, say if you got five. MLAs elected out of a riding. The NDP might run three candidates. The Liberals might run three. The Greens might run two. You might get some other parties running. And that's your ballot. Yeah, yeah. And then you have to <laughs> rank order all of them. Um, so if you've got, say, Jane and Joe Smith on the NDP, you've got to figure out whether you're going to put Jane Smith first or Joe Smith first. Oh, my um, gosh. It sounds so complicated. And, then you could, but, and there's no requirement that you rank, say, the NDP one, two, three. You can rank the first NDP. Then you could rank your second as Liberal and go back to the NDP for your third, fourth for your Green, and 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 so on and so forth. So you can rank the candidates however you want. Um, Counting that ballot would take forever. So they use this system in Ireland and it can't, takes days to count the votes. Um, essentially, and then there's a, a certain electoral threshold set. So rather than needing 50% plus one, um, you might need 25% plus one. And then they count everybody's first choice votes. Um, if somebody has more than the threshold, they get elect- on their first choices, they get elected. But they don't just kind of leave it at that they then take however many votes you were over the threshold and those get redistributed based on oh my gosh what you're just yeah yeah this is gets <laughs> really so, complicated um so wh- there's, why there's, would, there's a cgp gray video that's worth watching on this yeah. which which gives i mean gives you, you kind of need the visual to really yeah, understand I, it i should but, link it to him he's he has great videos yeah, yeah. Um, um so so why would they have chosen this for the last referendum like why would they think that it was a good idea so the thing that it does is it gives really good regional representation. Um, and this actually goes back to something we were talking about on the last on, on in our last conversation. Under this system, if you don't like the candidate from your party, you can choose a different candidate from your party. Mm-hmm. So if let's say Jane Smith goes to Victoria or goes to the legislature and, and you, you're still a new Democrat, but you don't like the oh. what Jane Smith has done in the legislature. Well, you've got Joe Smith on the ballot, and you can put Joe Smith first. And you're still voting for the NDP, but you're getting a different candidate. So um, in, in some ways, this would be a really good format for people who are very involved and pay a lot of attention to politics and know their parties and know their the people running for things. But it would be a very confusing and, and frustrating thing and probably turn a lot of people just away from voting that just be like, I just want to vote for a party. Just yeah. make it simple yeah. for me. Now, there's kind of two ways you can do that. Neither are particularly satisfying. 
Um, so they use this for the Australian Senate. In the Australian Senate, I believe you're able to check a box that it basically says, rank the candidates exactly how my party wants to rank them. Oh. So you could go in and say, the NDP produces a list of the, a ranked list of candidates. Rather than going through and ranking them yourself, you could check NDP. So this is an out. Yeah. I don't think that was part of the system that was proposed for um, STV for British Columbia. Um, but you could do it if you wanted to. Um, the other way you, the other kind of out is you just kind of, if you're, I don't know the candidates from the NDP, but I want to vote for the NDP. You just go one, like like first NDP, second NDP, third NDP, and you're done. Right. Okay. Um, and that, that's kind of a way, and this is the way votes are countered is such that, that could get you into trouble, but it probably is going to get you, that that vote is probably going to count for any Democrat. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so the last referendum, it was just that one voting style yeah. system in there. And so, so it could be a lot of people wanted to change it, but they were like, there's no way I want that one. And that's why yeah. it could be so part of the reason. The first time around, it got, it got a lot of votes. I mean, the first time they ran this, um, it got 59% of the vote. Um, or 58 or something. Like, like it was in high 50s. Um, it needed 60 to pass, so we didn't get the, the change in electoral system. The one thing is I think a lot of the reason it did well is people, even if they didn't understand the system, they looked at the Citizens Assembly, these random people that have been chosen from British Columbia and said, I trust them. Right. Even if I don't quite understand how this works, I un I, I kind of trust the process that, it's, that the referendum has gone through. And I'll kind of figure out single transferable vote when we start using it. So are they doing anything like that now? Like. No. It so so they're just it's all like in-house choosing what the question or what style they'll put on there so they've done some consultations they did like an online thing that you could they, they ran an online thing from november until the end of february yeah i did that where like, they had people like answer a bunch of questions and 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 they basically they're taking that information and it goes into the depths of i guess the attorney general's department so well that's what this this article is about it was yeah the attorney general uh david Abbey. eb yeah eb um and he's an ndp right yeah Okay, so and and there's they called him the the neutral arb arbiter. What is that? That's what the NDP is calling him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so basically, the 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 way that he wants to cast himself is that he's going to look at all this information and um, decide which system or uh, it, bureaucrats really are going to look at the information and yeah. sort through it, and then at the end of the day, he's the one that gets to make the decision. But but obviously he's help from his department, as all ministers do on all decisions. Yeah, because um, they were talking about that, like his his uh, staff, yeah. staff or something. And it seems like that you'd want just like someone from all three parties just to head it up together. I mean, so there's positives and negatives to that. The positive is you get cross party support, so it doesn't look like you're setting up a. It doesn't look like you're choosing a system that's going to benefit you the most. Right. Remember here, every party's got a system that benefits them the most. Right. Right. Um, the danger is because every system, every party is a different system that benefits them the most, you're never going to get agreement. This is the thing that the federal hmm. liberals tried. They came with this idea, we're going to get all the federal parties together, we're going to do a bunch of consultations, and whatever system has broad consensus that everybody likes, we're going to choose that system. The problem is there's no system that everybody likes. Mm -hmm. Everybody, and I think for quite legitimate reasons, um, has a different preferred system. So the federal liberals, I mean, they probably wanted alternative vote. Um, the conservatives wanted to keep first past the post, and the NDP and the Greens wanted proportional representation, or one of the proportional representation systems, probably mixed member proportional. Right. And so the liberals kind of like, we can't get consensus. It's like, 
well, of course you can't get consensus. Every party going into this process had a system they wanted, and you knew that going into the process. Well, yeah, okay. So it seems like that they should be, like, together, and they pick the one they want, and then that goes on the ballot. And then it's like they work together of how to educate the public to choose what they want. I mean, I mean the problem is... is the, the point of a referendum uh, is not yeah. them to choose. At the end of the day, though, the BC Liberals want first past the post. The NDP probably wants some version of proportional representation. The Greens probably want some version of proportional representation. So all those should be on the ballot. No? I mean, that's one way to approach <laughs> it, yeah. But then you have, you have to go back, which one of the proportional representation systems do you want? Do you want alternative vote on the ballot? There might the BC Liberals. So, so there's a strategic element to this, right? Uh, if you don't, if you want, if you don't want change, you want a, as complicated a ballot as possible, right? Because you, then you get this. Yeah. As we were talking earlier, voter goes in, goes, "Why are there five choices here? I don't understand these five choices. Just keep first past the post. This is too complicated." So the, the, there's a political strategy to this. Well, and if they choose the wrong option, other than first past the post, like the the STV one. Like, then people would be like, first past the post. You, exactly. You put so, the wrong yeah. one down there. Yeah. Oh, this could go, this so could the, go <laughs> bonkers and backwards. And the, the probably problem with the way that they're approaching this is it's, it's real. And, and this is true of both the PC NDP and the Trudeau liberals. It's really, really hard to do electoral reform quickly. Uh, um, so they're, it's almost like they're, Pushing it too fast. They're rushing the process. Yeah. Which the the kind of I've got a number of colleagues at UBC who who would um who are strong advocates for citizens' assemblies. So I'm gonna gonna kinda and then I think I and am as well. Citizens um, assembly, that was the people that yeah, went around yeah. you, you, educating or asking well just just citizens what they want. Yeah, you, well thought. it's a little bit beyond that. You you pick you start with picking a ra- like random citizens from every riding. Mm-hmm. And you say, you are essentially going to be the people we trust to get educated on this, to hear from British Columbians on this, and to make a decision and a recommendation. Yeah, that sounds, it makes sense. And then, yeah, and then you go, whatever system you want, we'll put that to a referendum. Because, I mean, you don't want just a bunch of random people making the final decision. Right. But it gives kind of people a way to say, okay, um, there's been a process here. It's divorced from the political parties. So it's divorced from individuals who have a real incentive to to pick a system that favors them, right? Um, and but you you have a public you have kind of a sample of the public that can get really educated and get a sense of what they're doing. This was used in British Columbia before we did kind of the referendums on STV, and it was used in Ontario as well um, before they had a referendum on mixed member proportional. I um, mean that was also in the mid two thousands. Okay, yeah. Well, that that. Uh... I I would have thought that that's what they would do. It's it sounds like what they should do is this is me figuring it all out now. <laughs> is they should ha- figure out like a question or a few questions that they want the citizens assembly is that what the name was yeah yeah to go out and ask that should be coming by fall and then fall to the next fall should be them going around asking and talking about these certain things. I don't know. I found some holes in that already. Forget it. <laughs> yeah, I mean... There's no question. They just need to go talk. Yeah, you just, you just leave it to the citizens. The, yeah. the problem with that is you're probably not going to get a change in the electoral system before the next election. But rushing something is... Yeah, I mean, 
So, yeah, I mean, it's, so there's kind of two political things here. The first off is it's harder for you to say, look, we delivered on our campaign promise. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing, and th- this is kind of a, a, probably a bigger concern if you're an advocate of electoral reform, is that um, you might lose the next election. And the party that comes in might turn around and say, look, we, we don't like electoral reform. We're not going to continue with this process. And you could lose the you could lose kind of your advantage or your ability to 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 complete the, the the process. Well, it seems like anything rushed is not always a good idea, unless you it, it's it, unless it's just so obvious. But this is a very complicated issue. I'm yeah learning. So yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it's I, I think it's one of the shortcomings of both the way that the Justin Trudeau liberals approached it, and they they kind of just gave up. Right. Um. Well. There's different arguments over what they did with it, but, but, but they, 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 they couldn't stopped, find a though. consensus. They gave up and they, they stopped kind of pursuing electoral reform. The BC NDP have a greater incentive to see it through, mm-hmm. um, in part because, I mean, the BC Greens want this and like they're probably not going to continue to support the BC NDP unless they're getting this. Right. Because that was one of the deal breakers, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you can kind of tell why for the BC Greens. Like yeah. The BC Greens are the party that's hurt the most by first past the post. Right. At least the party in British Columbia that's hurt the most. Um, and so this is something they, they kind of, to continue to be, to, to increase their competitiveness, they need this. Um, and so there, it, it's got to be a non-starter for the Green Party. Hmm. So, okay. So this rushing thing is kind of, it's got my, my concern up. Mm. <laughs> But I want to go back to the thing where he talked about uh, the having the the his where is it? Oh, here it is. So the political staffers being involved with it, um, and the like the offices is that. So in other reforms, like you talked, you researched other countries and all these other reforms. Is it? How do they usually do the reforms? So electoral system change kind of post-World War II in industrial, like in developed countries is actually quite rare. It's basically been one country that's done it, and that's New Zealand. Hmm. Um, New Zealand had a early 90s, they had a referendum. They basically did um, a, couple of referend- a couple of referendums. And then early 2000s, they did another one. They like referendums in New Zealand, I guess. <laughs> okay. Um, but they did... Essentially, what um, the BC NDP are doing, and had it started with kind of a mail-up ballot, which they threw a whole bunch of different options on. On that mail-in mail-out ballot, mixed-member proportional was by far the favorite, but they didn't have great turnout. So, this is just whenever you do a, an election that's not kind of um, doesn't happen at the same time as a general election for either a province or a federal government, you're going to get bad turnout. And that's just kind of what we know about the way these kind of off-year elections happen. Um, so they said, well, we've got, we don't have enough turnout to be confident in this, but we've got this strong support for mixed-member proportional. So then they had another referendum that coincided with a general election. Um, mm, okay. And they just, they just put mixed-member proportional and first-past-the-post on the ballot. They basically said, we've done this earlier referendum. We can get rid of anything on the earlier referendum that didn't have a lot of support. We've got now our two options. We're going to put that to a general election. And then there was, and they voted, and the mixed member proportional in in that referendum won a majority. 
Um, and so they switched over to mixed member proportional. So, so for that vote, though, they didn't change the the style of voting for that yet. No, no. In, okay. in the 1993 election, when they had the mixed member, they had the referendum. Um, they that election was conducted under first past the post. Okay. And it was 1996 was the first um, election they had under mixed member proportional. So they took their time. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> they, they, yeah. I mean, part of it, the New Zealand case is a little. Um, it's it, it, part of it's interesting because at the same time as they had that referendum, there was just like there was a huge amount of disfavor for both political parties. Okay. Like New Zealanders were essentially there was. Uh, a national, which is kind of their, their center-right party um, government that I, I think it was the, the, the labor government, which they didn't like, so they turfed out of office. And then they had national, so center-right government, which they didn't like, so they turfed out of office. And it, it got to a point where everybody's like, like, we're fed up with the way things are being done now. Here's a way that this might change the way we do politics. And there's just kind of a like, we don't like the way things are happening. Therefore, something that's going to change things, we're willing to vote for that. Which is where reform music comes from. Yeah. Whereas yeah. ours is coming from... Oh, we think it'd be better. Yeah, like, I mean, we're, we're, is, we're okay, but maybe which better. is just probably the way that reform should happen. But yeah. but I don't think the way that they do often. Like, like these, the the reality of of these referendums is they're easier to win when people are really unhappy. Um, yeah, this was this was actually true the first time we voted on STV. Why it got one of the reasons it did so well, in addition to people trusting the citizens' assembly, um, the previous elections were just weird. Um, so in 1996, we had what's often referred to as a wrong winner election. Um, this is rare under first past the post, but it does happen every so often where the party that wins the most votes doesn't win the most seats. So in 1996, the BC NDP won a majority government, even though the BC liberals won more votes than the BC NDP won. And that would be done just for people listening, not sure, um, by let's say, each riding that they won, yeah. they won like fifty one percent. Exactly. Whatever. Yeah, or or bit less than fifty one. Probably they win. They'd win by a couple of oh, right. a couple hundred votes, and with thirty five or forty yeah. percent. And right. the BC Liberals, the ridings they did win, they won by a large margin. Hmm. Um, then a wrong vote. Hmm. A, a, yeah, a wrong winner election. Wrong winner. Yeah. Okay. Um, but then the election following that, um, the NDP got knocked down to two seats from a majority government. No, that wasn't because like. Five percent of the province voted for them. That was because the BC the, the BC Liberals won a majority of the vote in the province, so they won more than fifty percent of the vote, and that meant they basically won the most votes in um, they won the most votes in every riding except for two. Mm-hmm. And the NDP still won. I mean, they won a proportion of the popular vote that would have, under a proportional a proportional system, got them a lot more than two seats. So you had these like like really weird elections that people could look at and go. Whatever system produced that (laughs) (laughs) is really strange. Yeah. I mean, those were both extreme cases. First past the post, while it does produce disproportionate results, doesn't usually do that. But it can. Yeah. And and so when you have efforts at reform that that, that, that happen after just weird elections, they're they're more likely to be successful. So, okay. So, so they could be rushing it here. um, But they did do that survey. I, yeah. And I and I did do it at the last the night before or something like that, and I knew about it. And I wanted to do it and I just forgot. And so I wonder, I wonder how well it was received. It said in the, that article that it was the the highest. Uh, where is it? 
I can't find it. Mm. It was <laughs> it was the highest ever BC poll or something like that. But that doesn't mean relating to voters how many people. You know, and if that's where they're getting all their information to choose the question or the, the style of voting system to choose from. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there, te- there seems to be at least I mean, this is weird because I'm an academic who studies political science. Yeah. And so everybody's always like interested in electoral systems and kind of the circles that I run. in. so it's hard to get a sense of how much that goes beyond right. kind of the ivory tower and the people are really interested in politics. <laughs> um. But there seems to be interest in this. There, there, yeah. I mean, the federal government's pursued something. Now the province is pursuing something. So it's been in the news. So yeah. I, I think that that bodes well for getting a lot of people to care about it and to participate. Well, but, it was good that they like did the, they did the mail out about it. Yeah, you know? yeah. So that was like I was like, oh, okay, nice. So there, there's certainly an effort here to to bring people into the process. And you don't want to be too hard on the government in the sense that like. They aren't trying to just shove their system through. There, there's an attempt to reach out and demonstrate that there's been consultation. That they've consulted the public and cared yeah. about what the public think. Um, but at the same time, you're you can only do get so much involvement when you're asking people to go online and fill out a survey, and, and like you're never going to get the same amount of participation in one of these consultations as you would get in a referendum set against an election. Right. And that's just because, like, I mean, people are going to the voting booth anyways. And depending on how you run the campaign, people are kind of just paying more attention to politics um, when an election's going on. Mm-hmm. They know that, okay, there's an election, there's the NDP are saying all this, the Greens and the Liberals are saying all this stuff. And then you can say, well, there's also this debate over proportional representation and make that part of the, the debate that people are participating in right. when they're already doing their kind of... Per- thinking about politics because of the election. When you ask people kind of in an off year, fewer people are paying attention. And so it's just harder to get people to consult. So I, I think they've they've made an honest effort. And I think it's it's a good thing to do. But yeah. there's always you're never going to get as much as you do in, say, a referendum campaign. So in a sense, they kind of like bit off a lot to chew and they're trying to chew it, saying that they were going to do this and they're going to do it quick it was one of their promises yeah, yeah. like to get it done before the next election there's a lot that has to go into it because you can't just decide okay you can't take three years to <laughs> decide on it and then like try and figure out how to implement it in a year before yeah, the election. No, you, like, not you can't at all do no that. um so one of the things that um that really like, like if you decide to do electoral reform so let's say we have whatever process we have the referendum and then we've got to run an election um, if you're doing anything other than changing to alternative vote, you need to redraw boundaries. So oh, under first past the <laughs> we, we have all of these kind of nicely drawn lines where we're saying this is part of it. You're in this district. If you're moving to a mixed member proportional system or an STV system and enlist PR is the same way, um, you're not electing the same number of people out of um, those ridings. Um, and so you have to have larger writings. So depending on, okay, let's say they gave us the choice for like all four of those things okay, or something, yeah. right? They don't know what their workloads is going to be after. Like well, they, <laughs> they it's, <laughs> it's not their workload. It's elections BC, oh, which is separate. Those poor people. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I mean, you basically, you, you it, let's say mixed pr- member proportional passed. Yeah. You, then the government would have to go to elections BC and say, we're, we're using the system now. 
this is how the system works, you need to now draw new boundaries for ridings um, that will work under a mixed member proportional system. Now to do that, so the other thing is this is law, right? So the, the rules, um, the electoral reform or the electoral system that a province uses is a piece of legislation, it's law passed by the, the, the BC legislature. Okay. So the legislature needs to pass the new system. So they're saying we're going to use mixed member proportional. They need to write up a law saying we're going to use mixed member proportional. They need to debate that just as they would any other bill. Um, oh. That Even if it passes the referendum, it still needs to get um, the 50% plus one of MLAs to vote for it. And so then it could go not, down? Like it could be yeah, shot down? Yeah, yeah. So, so we could have this referendum. The bill could be shot down and we'd be back to square one. Yes. Oh, um, no. What? The chances of that <laughs> happening are really, really small. Right. Uh, so technically, changing the ele- there's no pro- like changing the electoral system. There's nothing in the Canadian Constitution, the provinces, the federal government, that says that the electoral reform or electoral system has to be changed by a voter referendum. Technically, huh. um, the B- the NDP and Green MLAs could put forward a bill saying we're changing the electoral system. They could vote on it and pass it, and it would be a change. It'd be a legal change. Oh, they don't nobody, need nobody. Nobody would accept that. Um, there would be outrage. And so well, yeah, nobody, they, if they yeah. did that, they basically not win the next election. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So no, they, they wouldn't try to do that. Right. Um, but It'd they technically could. Right. In the same way, there's no provision that says, you know, if there's a referendum on this thing, it's now the law. So if there's a referendum, you still need to make it the law, which means you still need to go through the process of passing a law as you would any other piece of legislation. But what you're saying is that it would be bad form and and suicide basically for them to go against what the people say. So the BC and the green, the NDP and the greens want electoral reform. Right. So if they get a yes vote, they between the two parties, they have a majority. Mm-hmm. So they would vote it through and the BC liberals would probably object. Um, but they couldn't, they wouldn't be able to stop it. So it, if the province votes for mixed member proportional, we're going to get mixed member proportional. Um, the BC Liberals might criticize the referendum. They might what? say they might say you didn't set the threshold high enough. You didn't leave enough kind of. You didn't leave enough allowance for making sure that there was broad support from across the province for this. And they might say, look, the process wasn't right, and therefore, or, or you didn't have enough turnout. There, there's a whole bunch of ways they could object to it and, and use that as justification for voting against the change. Mm-hmm. But they don't. They're a minority of members in the BC Legislature, so they. On no legislation do they alone have the power to stop legislation. Well, what if they put first past the post on the ballot and it was the one that won? <laughs> they, that'd be probably the end of the process. I don't. The I don't believe the BC NDP or the BC Greens would try to get legislation passed to change the electoral system if they had a no vote. Yeah, if they had a okay. vote for first past the post. What if they? Do you think there's any chance that they won't? Put that oh, I guess they have to put They'll it because it it's yeah. going. Yeah. has to be what it's going against. Yeah, on it. Okay. Hmm. Okay, so there's... That's interesting. So there was... Yeah, the, the survey... I, I, like, I was impressed with that they're trying to do it. I guess it really is... This question is important to find out soon then, hey? Yeah, I mean... the I, I think the, the BC Liberals probably want to campaign against it. Um, so they got to know what they're campaigning against. Um, and that come from... A, coming from a party kind of thing but at the same time it's like for us voters yeah. it's like 
you know? I mean, probably. Um, the one, I mean, the one thing to be thinking about here is, is at this point, like, we're already end of April. Um, if we start to get to, like, June, the chances that people are going to spend the summer researching electoral systems is pretty limited. Like, True. Like, uh, one of the, you don't do politics in August because nobody's around. <laughs> um, so how much, I, I mean, I think realistically people are probably going to be doing a lot of their learning in September and October regardless of what the government does. Okay. That being said, it is kind of nice to know um, what the question is going to be. The other thing we need to know is what the rules are for the referendum. Right. Um, so there's a number... They've already come up and said 50% plus one is the threshold. Because they changed it, right? Because before the other ones were 60. So, yeah, yeah. For yeah. any of these, um, for any referendum, you can kind of, because they're kind of things that are set up by the, the government at the time, they can set up a threshold and set up the rules however they want. Mm -hmm. So the original one, it was 60%. And there was actually another requirement um, that it get e at least a majority support in 60% of ridings. Okay. So it, it met that threshold. Or at least the first time I met that threshold. It didn't the second time, but it didn't get to 60%. Um, one thing that could be debated is whether you'd be comfortable with the system getting 50% of the vote and just changing on that kind of mm -hmm. threshold. Because then people, I think, in the interior, and I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with their claim, but I think there's like, it's a defensible claim. Um, they would say, look, you got 50% mostly because Vancouver and Victoria voted for this. Right, and, and part of first what first past the post does is it guarantees a representative from Kamloops or Kelowna, and essentially you've got fifty percent of people based on a large vote, say in the Lower Mainland or in the Vancouver Island, um, voting to take away our representation without us being able to block it. Um, now I, I think there's a debate to be had about whether they should be allowed to block it, but they certainly have a defensible argument or a defensible position in saying, you know, there should be a requirement that at least a certain number of ridings vote for this as well. I don't yeah, necessarily so, agree with that, but I think it's it's a legitimate thing to bring up. Yeah, so it's not necessarily just a question that we need to know about, but like the rules you're talking about yeah. too are are almost as important for. I mean, I don't know how much we can do as voters, but like for the other parties to yeah. be like, well, that doesn't coincide with you know we want like, to yeah. to make it fair, yeah, I guess, yeah. like from both sides. And then, <clears throat> especially since it's a mail-in ballot, mm -hmm. there's another question in terms of. Do you need a certain number of people to vote in order for it to count? So mm. PEI recently had a referendum in which mixed member proportion um, one of these mail-in ballots where mixed member proportional won, but I think their turnout was something like six, something like thirty percent. <laughs> oh my god! And and they hadn't set in advance. They hadn't said you know we need a certain percentage for this uh, of people to vote for this to to be legitimate. Yeah. But the premier just turned around and said like, like I, can't, I can't do this on thirty percent of the vote. And they're gonna have another referendum attached to an election, I believe. Yeah. Um, but there is there is a question as to what happens if mixed member proportional or, or a different proportional system wins by say two or three percent, and it's thirty percent voter turnout. Does the BC government does the government still have kind of the legitimacy to move forward and say, we can push forward from this. Or might that be an argument to say, you know, at the very least, we need to put this to another referendum and make a yeah. larger effort to just get the voters run out high enough so that we can kind of say that this is something that people voted for. Do you think that's maybe why they're trying to do it early on in case they need to amend it somehow or... Maybe I mean I, I don't I, I don't know like like I, I I think that's a plausible reason for why they might be doing 
uh, maybe approaching it this way. But it might just also be that they they might be that they want this in place by 2021. Mm-hmm. And the Greens especially might want this in, in place by 2021 because um, they want to take advantage of the fact that they're winning a sizable percentage of the vote in elections. And that doesn't get reflected in, in the um, – and the seats that they win in the legislature. Right. So what about, what about like, couldn't they just push it to spring? Would that be too late to to implement anything that was, if it changed? I think in the spring, though, you're dealing with the same problem in that there's no election happening at the time. Right. Um, but just giving more time to, like, like maybe do another survey or, like, just more. I yeah. I, 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 I guess the thing with, with the consultations is, like, like. You can do more of the same consultations, but at some point you're just getting the same people to fill these out over and right. over and over again. What about um, if, if they implemented that citizens' assembly for like six months? I don't think you could do it for six months. No. Okay. Like it, the thing about citizens' assemblies, it takes a long time. Right. Um, so just just the process of figuring out who's going to be on this, this citizens' assembly uh. is complicated. Because, I mean – I think the way I describe it is you pick random people from each riding, but but you can't just pick a random yeah. person. They might not show up, right? Yeah. So what happens is they pick a bunch of random names and they pick more than one. They pick like a hundred from each riding or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then they give people a presentation. You know, this is what we're going to do. Are you interested? And then everybody who's interested throws their name in. And then from that, they pick a random male and random female <laughs> from each ride. So you're already talking about a significant process just to pick the people. Right. Then you've got to educate. So you've got to bring in experts, and to some extent, you can do this from UBC, UVic, SFU, universities in the region. But you also want some people from outside. You want kind of the best people possible. So you might bring in, um, particularly for something like STV, you might bring in somebody from Ireland, somebody who's actually lived in the system and, and studied the system. Yeah. Um, for mixed member proportional, you might look for somebody from New Zealand or somebody from Germany. And so you're just the education process oh is going to take some time. <laughs> then you need to go out to the different like, people around the province and say, you know, as a citizen assembly, this is what we've come up with. What do you think? Then you got to come back and th- then you write a report. So, I mean, trying to get this done in under a year is, it, 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 you just can't do it. I, I, I <laughs> when I think of the survey, I'm like, okay, well, they ask some questions. They're, they're trying to get, do their best and blah, blah, blah. But the more it seems, it seems like this is like a really terrible thing to rush. Yes. But, so is it only a political reason to rush it like for them for their next election is that the only reason or has there been that much like outrage about our system that it needs to rush this fast i think there's a legitimate concern that if you don't do it before the next election you could lose the next election and then then it might never get yeah and then bc liberals might say we don't we didn't campaign on this we don't want to do this um therefore it's like a one we're done it yeah. almost seems like a one chance thing. Yeah. Um, hmm. There's also a concern among supporters who say, you know, we, we voted for you assuming that this was going to happen. And this is still happening. Like, we, we haven't seen change. Um, and we haven't seen the new system. Um, we're not getting what we voted for. So it's kind of like a rock and a hard place here. Yeah. I mean, electoral systems in some ways, it, it, it's one of these really difficult issues in that it's highly technical. Yeah. Um. It takes a lot of time to understand, and unlike most systems like that, you can't just leave it to the politicians because they have such a stake in the outcome. Right. That, I mean, it's hard to just say, you know, you don't want politicians choosing the system under which they're elected by. Choose a system that makes it more likely that they're going to get elected. 
Yeah, and I guess that's what the big issue with uh, the what's his Ebby Eby, the David Eby guy being NDP going at it is the other parties or well, I guess just the liberals are being yeah. like, what? Like, <laughs> I mean, so as with anything, like like government, it's government action, right? And the government's run by political parties, so right. it's, it's anything you do on this. There's no really like like elections. BC can't run this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not their mandate, and um, in a lot of ways, they don't have the legitimacy to do it. Okay. Um, this is a political decision, and it's a decision that sh- is something that we should el- like. The people, basically, the people who make this decision are people that we should. They're people that we should elect. Okay. Um, and we don't elect the heads of elections BC for, for right. that reason. Yeah. Um, so it has to be done by politicians. At the same time, I think there's a lot of kind of reasonable concern from the BC Liberals about the process. Um, and I think, I mean, in some ways, this is how everything's supposed to work in, in, in the legislature, where the governing party decides on a process and tries to put that process through and makes a decision based on the process. And the opposition party um, objects to anything they don't like coming, like any of the legislation they don't like, and also raises questions as to the process. So, right. so in some ways, this exchange between the BC Liberals and the BC NDP is our system working. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Like it's the government trying to do something, the opposition saying, are we sure that what you're doing is the right thing to do? And are you doing this in the right way? And that's, that, that's the point of an adversarial parliamentary system. Yeah. And I mean, the the info from the survey would be just daunting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So grant them that they need some time. And it's going to take time to sort through. And and, I mean, one of the questions up here, and I, and I think this is a BC liberal accusation. I, I really don't, know enough about the day-to-day to really know how much validity this accusation has and, and unless you're unless you're at the the ledge every day doing reporting on this i don't think you really do know right um but there, there's a political staff and there's a non-political staff right there, there's the people okay. who are new democrats who basically work for david eby as a new democrat mla and as a new democrat cabinet minister um who will leave when when Dave if David Eby leaves okay, and if the right. NDP loses they they have to find other work right and then there's the people who are civil servants who are essentially the experts who do what and and the kind of the policy people who do what whichever cabinet minister happens to be the cabinet minister at the time tells them to do okay um there's an argument to be made that kind of the process of sorting through this information shouldn't be done by the political staff that it should right. be done by the civil servants who kind of are experienced with kind of policy analysis, who then basically tell EB that this is kind of what the survey says. And, and um, yeah, so what you're saying is they're like nonpartisan. Essentially, yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean they're not. Essentially, they're nonpartisan. And they do what the minister tells them to do. Right. Um, versus the political staff who, I mean, they also do what the minister tells them what to do, but they're also new Democrats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think... The BC Liberals, I think, are raising a concern about how much the political staff are involved in this. Yeah. And whether they might be trying to push this in a particular direction. Um, I don't know whether that's true or not. Um, opposition parties, obviously, they're, they're part of their goal is to make the government look bad. So they're yeah. going to kind of seize on anything that they think might be able well, to do that. So, And it seems like it might be a good thing for... Um, the, the Attorney General to act, like say something give them something yeah because then because if you don't if you keep not saying something it sounds a little but there's also a question of like what can you say at this point right like if you're not if you're legitimately not sure right and if you're what still you're gonna put sifting, on the ballot and you're, you're, you're thinking maybe stv maybe not um and if i mean all of this like like 
I, I, I hope over the, the course of this conversation, I've, I've given a sense of like how there are pros and cons to any decision oh, no, you I make keep, here. I, I keep bouncing back and forth here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, I, I imagine the department is doing is grappling with the same kind of questions. Right. Do you put multiple questions, multiple systems on the ballot? Do you not? And there, there's, I mean, you kind of have to do your research and have to kind of listen to the arguments on both sides and then make a call on it. And it's not. It's not something you can do very quickly. So I'm not, I'm not surprised that it takes them a bit of time to kind of figure out exactly what they want to do. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> it, it's, it's, it, it just seems like it shouldn't be rushed. But in a sense, you're, you're almost right. Like, no matter when it is, like if, if it's done in a year, if it's done in two years, the referendum or something, most people would just wait until a month or two before the referendum. Yeah, yeah. doesn't matter when it is. So if if they're doing their work, then it really doesn't – except for that citizens' assembly thing. That seems yeah. like a really good idea. I mean the two – I think the two reasons to kind of hold off are, A, if you want to do a citizens' assembly, at which point – I mean this – I'd be – you could probably do a citizens' assembly and hold a referendum to coincide with the 2021 election. At the same time, you might not be sure that an election is going to happen. Um, because it could happen yeah. before that. Yeah. So, so in the background of all of this, the Greens say if the Greens decide they're going to pull the plug on the NDP government, say we're no longer going to support you, there's going to be an election, and, and it's not going to happen tomorrow, but it could, right? Like, so polit- politically wise, like they got to get this done because the the future is just yeah. up in the air too much. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so I mean, there's that. I mean, running this when there's a minority government or, or basically a confidence and supply or the, yeah the minority government yeah. makes things extra challenging um Oof. so i mean it, it's <laughs> yeah it, it's it's a difficult thing for them to, to grapple with the other reason to put it off would be to say we're going to hold this with the next election yeah um whenever that election happens that's when we're holding the referendum with the idea of saying well, that's when we can get the highest turnout but then you're saying like if they didn't win then the liberals could just squash it yeah, but if you if you've already got the referendum happening, yeah, and there's been a vote for it, it'd be harder for the liberals to squash it. Okay, because then they would be shooting themselves in the foot. They'd be say, basically telling people, "You voted for this. We're not going to do it." And so you, we'll take yeah. four years, and then and you can get rid of us. <laughs> if it's really close, like yeah. if it's a fifty-one percent vote, they might be able to get away with it. If it's a clear vote, fifty-five or fifty-six or whatever, yeah, um, then it'd be harder to squash. Hmm. I mean. There's always, whenever you get like 50% plus, like whenever you're like really at 50% plus one, there's always the question. If you held this vote two weeks later, would it go the same way? So if it's really, really close and coincides with the elections, then the liberals might have a way out. But if it's not close, then people might turn around and say, look, we voted for this. You have to do it now. Matt, this whole thing, it just, it's (laughs) like you get one, like the ideal view of how to do it is through time. Yeah. A lot of time. And it sounds like they, there just is none. So then you just got to be like, hey, they're trying. And yeah. we have to ourselves kind of pay attention enough to be ready when it comes to the time. Yeah. And, and all of these decisions are hard calls. Both, both I think, for, um, for voters and for politicians. Yeah. So this is um, one thing. I don't think I've said this yet. But um, one thing I usually say is that there's no perfect electoral system. Right. All of them involve trade-offs. I mean, I think it's the same with process. 
there's no absolutely perfect way to – I mean this is most things in politics. No yeah. absolutely perfect way to do it. There's always some good things that you're going to get out of some process or some electoral system and some kind of bad things that you're going to have to live with. Yeah. It's, it, well, and, and whatever we switch it to, it's going to be like, okay, we switched it. Let's see how that goes now. Like it's going to – that's going to mm, be trial yeah. and error like – how are we going to set up? That was one thing I was going to say earlier is when you're talking about elections BC, I was like, this might be a good time for people to keep an eye out for job postings in the next maybe, year. Maybe. So. It, it, it depends what they do. Yeah. Um, if they have to do a lot of re- – even though they do have to do regular redistricting. Right. Um, so just because people move and, and some places grow and some places don't grow as fast or, yeah. or see they, – they know how to do redistricting. But it just takes a long time to do. Right. Um, because you have to go around, like, there's always controversy about where you draw particular lines and whether one street or one neighborhood is within one riding or another riding. And you want to give people, because it's an election, because it goes to a democracy, you want to hear from people on those kinds of questions. Um, and so any kind of redistricting process, be it the regular process we always do, or a process that we need to do because we change the electoral system, it's going to take some time. Hmm. It's not going to be hard for BC elections to do this in the sense that they've done it before. Right, but they might need more people if time is an issue. Yeah, they yeah. might. Yeah. Um, but but just some of these things you just can't rush. Like you, if you're gonna do, <laughs> if you're gonna do consultations and say like we want to hear from everybody in this community as to whether say if you're um, if you're on the on the line between like, like if you're living so so I, I live in an interesting part of Victoria in the sense that. Um, I'm between Richmond and Fowl Bay, okay. and um, the Oak Bay riding actually goes into Victoria and stops at Richmond. Um, so if you're deciding... And, and you're talking about streets area. Yeah, yeah. People. Um, the, the, so if you're deciding whether you're going to draw the boundary at Richmond or at Fowl Bay, um, you want to hear from the people who live kind of in between Richmond and Fowl Bay. Oh, and and yeah. doing that's always going to take some time. Um, and so, and then there's just, no matter how many people you hire, it, there's no way to get around the fact that listening to people and talking to people takes a certain amount of time. I wonder if they're putting that into consideration with what to put on the ballot with how much work it would take to set it up. You know what I mean? Like if they would have time to set it up for the next election. So I, I, I don't think that'll be a factor on no. the ballot. And the reason, the only system that wouldn't require redistricting is alternative vote. Because okay. you just use the existing districts and rather than needing a plurality, you need a majority. So it's ranked ballots. You can use the exact same districts as you used uh, for first past the post. Mm-hmm. And it's not a proportional system. So it's not a system that the NDP or the Greens want. Um, so any system they put on the ballot that's proportional is going to require some redistricting. Unless they were to say, we're using a pure list. British Columbia is just one district. Essentially, there are no districts in British Columbia, right. which nobody, I think, in BC would accept. Um, that's the only one that'd be really easy to do. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's another reason why get it done as fast as we can, because there's going to be a lot of work after. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you want the next election to be fought under a proportional system instead of first past yeah. the post. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Well, that took almost an hour. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, thanks again for uh, chatting about this stuff. I'm sure I'll have you back again to ask more questions um, the more I understand it. And uh, yeah, we'll see how things go over the next few months here in BC with yeah. all this 
it's really interesting. Like I thought last year was, that was when I was first getting into this stuff, right? Um, figuring I should learn something at my age. And, and lo and behold, I get to experience that election, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't usually happen. That, no. that, that was kind of a, yeah, that was, that was a strange, it was an interesting election to watch, but a yeah. strange election to watch. Yeah. It was a perfect example for me of like, this is what could happen. You know, my first time really paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. And then now, like a year later, we're, we're talking about reform of the, and I'm like, oh, what's that about? So it's, yeah. A lot of stuff's happening in BC here. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, well, thanks for, thanks for coming and chatting. Thank you very much for having me. This was a great discussion. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, we'll talk again. All right, thanks sounds good. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode with Daniel Westlake. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you learned something new and useful once again. I've learned that it's no easy task to approach and there's no simple way to go about the process. There are so many different things that can pull the process this way or that way and different ways to do things quickly, longer and how it can affect uh, government. But what I do know is that all of us informing ourselves and sharing and talking with others will only help the process. So we really got to dig in and try and do this. So the next episode on deck, I bring back my pal and history buff, uh, Nathan Walsh. This time we do a two-parter on something I'd never heard of before. Uh, It's the idea of a new West Coast country called Cascadia. Yeah, that's right. A new country. It's crazy. Um, It's a bit of a trip down like, fantasy lane playing with what ifs and how it how it would all work and it was a fun experiment to think through uh so anyway (laughs) just look for that coming soon and now the business and the shameful pleas for support uh if you can donate a couple bucks for a coffee a couple more for a beer or even a small chunk of change that might help go towards some expenses we'd love you to bits for it Just click on one of the links in the episode description or drop by the website uh, to do so at www.governthis.ca. It's set up with PayPal, super easy, and it's all secure. So thanks for that. Also, we'd love to hear from you. So drop by the website and leave a comment or hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash govern this. And tell us what you think of the podcast. Um, Even leave us a question or a topic idea that you'd want us to cover in the future. Feel free to give us a shout on Twitter at WeGovernThis or shoot us an email at we at GovernThis.ca. So if you like what you've heard and think it's important, please share this with as many people as you can. Hopefully we can all become a little more aware and involved. So until next time, stay curious.